0: Hope everybody in here is doing good today. Um, I don't know why, but announcements stress me out sometimes. It's like a half time to sit over there and think about what am I gonna say? How am I gonna say it, you know? And then you get up here and you have all these eyes focused on you really quick and it's like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. And so one of the things that I, that I missed in our announcements, you know, it's kind of that time of the year where we really pray for our kids that are transitioning off to college. And so the two kids that we have this year are gonna be Angela. She's gonna start here at TJC. Okay. And then my, my own daughter, Mackenzie. she's, um, I believe it's gonna be July. No, not July, we're past July. August the 20th that we have a move-in date down to Austin, Texas. Hook them. But, you know, I learned something. Um, You know everything has its language and I guess in in the college world a move-in day means you go and move them in And then you leave them there class doesn't start till the 26th, and so when I learned that I was like whoa hold on I I don't know that I'm ready, you know, but I don't think anything that I do will will actually prepare me for it And so um, just keep her up in prayer keep me up in prayer because you know poppy is uh, probably gonna be a wreck so We also have Nicole and Autumn and Jordan and the rest of our older kids. Nicole went back to Dallas yesterday. Autumn's going to go back to Sam Houston State. So we just have a lot of kids that are going off to college. Then we have Katie Grace that's starting her senior year. Jessica's starting her junior, senior year. So we have a few seniors and it's just that time where we just need to lift our kids up in prayer, uh, especially in the day and time that we live in. So. I'm not exactly sure. I, I turned forty one this 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 year, uh, July the second, so I'm not exactly sure, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure like if if all the generations that have come before us, if, if it's always been like this, as far as as far as everything that, that, that's going on, and I'm sure some of the wiser, uh, more mature people in this room can probably enlighten us on this subject, but it just seems like the older that I get, you know, I, I'm almost starting to become that old man that's, hey, you kids, get out of my yard, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm transitioning into that every year. And, and so, to me, It just seems like the world that we live in, the things that are happening, everything just seems to be getting crazier and crazier. And so I don't know if that's just part of growing up or if things are actually getting crazier and crazier, but we live in a uh, pretty nutty world right now. I mean, if we think about it, and then I want you to think back to one year ago, just one year ago. In, in our church's life and in, in our world, one year ago, we were getting ready. And I probably asked for prayer. We'd been back from church camp for Nicole and Autumn that we're going to go off to college since I'm the youth pastor. That's what I worry about. Um, and, and we weren't even here at this building yet. We were still at, at our, our old building. But as a family and you as your family or individual as a family... We were entering the first of last, and, and, and that basically means that our daughter Mackenzie was starting her senior year, and so we were gonna have the very first last day of school. We were gonna have the, 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 the last pep rally. We were gonna have the, the last, uh, the last uh, fe- our football game. We were gonna have a lot of last things of the stage of life we were in, with, with our oldest child. And, and some of those things came to happen and some of, them, some of them didn't, you know, but as most years, you know, every year brings something to the table that's either gonna freak you out or some sort of pandemic or something's happening. And in 2019, I mean, we had the usual, usual stuff, you know, global warming, which is, you know, a hot topic. They decided that in 12 years, the world was gonna be underwater because of global warming in 2019 in North Korea, you know they always want to blow something up so they were in the headlines. You you have Iran which is always trying to wipe somebody off the face of the earth, they you know shot their missiles into our military bases in Iraq You have China and Russia that's always acting up. You know, we had huge protests in Hong Kong, which China says that's our land. Hong Kong's like, no, we're on our own. US backs them. So we had a lot of those things going on. The rainforest last year, whether you know it or not, lots of the rainforest where we get a lot of our oxygen ended up burning up in wildfires last year. So 2019 usual stuff you and i live in the greatest country in the world so a lot of times we are sheltered to those things we hear them we see them but we don't exactly feel whatever's happening so as it happens we we transition over from um 2019 you know which at times felt like a hopeless year which at times felt like what are we going to breathe if the if the amazon's gone you know, emotionally, if you dwell on some of these headlines that you see, uh, I guess not in the paper anymore, I don't know how many people still get a paper, but just on social media or on the news or whatever, whatever news source you watch, if you dwell on these things emotionally, you can start questioning, what is the point? What world, and everybody that's had kids, what world will my kids inherit What kind of world will my kids grow up in? I mean, I'm sure when you had kids, you had the same thoughts just like I did. Now I'm questioning a long time from now, what kind of world will my grandkids inherit? What will that look like? And emotionally, it can start taking a toll on you where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And you just feel this hopelessness come over you. And so, you know, as it happens, we switched over from 2019 to 2020, and every year, you know, with the new year, there's all this new hope. You know, I'm gonna lose a little bit of weight. It hasn't happened yet. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a new person, new me. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do so many things that because it's a new year. Because there's a new hope that comes along. This is gonna be my best year ever. I'm gonna be thriving and living in 2020. New year, new me. And there's so much hope for the future. And just like every other year, happened the same from 2019 to 2020. But we're eight months into 2020, and it's been anything but full of hope. It's been anything but full of hope. You know, we started the year and the whole continent continent country of Australia was on fire. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember or not that or not, but it's probably been drowned out because we've had so many other things, but you'd see all these animals and koalas that are, you know, drinking water and people are raising money for Australia because, I mean, it is just burning and burning and burning and burning. And, and, then, and then if we get off into the political spectrum, if we get off into the political spectrum, you have this side over here that wants to get rid of our president, they want to impeach him. They they bring all these things over here. And then on the other side, these people, you know, our president can do no wrong. He is the savior of everything. He 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 can walk on water. He can do everything. So you have two opposing sides. Half of them don't like him. Half of them think he can do no wrong and usually what happens happens, there is a news source that you watch at your house, and whatever news source you watch, you're either going to be on this side, or you're going to be on that other side. And, And we're, you know, those things can get you so stressed out. You know, I run into people all the time, and they tell me what they heard on Fox News. I hear people that what they heard on CNN, and they're so stressed out by the political spectrum that's happening in our country. Then we have For those of you that that are sports fanatics, we have a helicopter crash that takes Kobe Bryant and his young daughter. I mean, that happened this year, you know, in in the first part of the year. And I can keep on naming thing after thing after thing that's happened, you know, and all this is before spring break. I mean, this is before we even do spring break. So it it just, just seemed like one thing after the other. But this year in February, in Feb- February, that's a hard month to say, you know, over in China, region called Wuhan, we all know this, there's this new uh, bird flu, pig flu, I don't know, some sort of flu that comes out every year. Every year there's a new flu that comes out that's going to devastate us, right? Every year we hear it. So this, this flu or this, this thing that they call coronavirus, it's spreading over in China, and it eventually makes its way over to Europe, and you know, Europe's freaking out, and then eventually it makes its way over to America, and, and, and it really, ever since it's made its way to America, our lives have not been the same. I mean, literally, Angela and Mackenzie and Katie and any of our other school-age kids, they went on spring break and they never went back. They just didn't. And, and so th- this, this coronavirus, I mean, you guys have survived, I hope you survived, the great toilet paper shortage. My, my daughter's boyfriend works at a grocery store and I thought I was gonna have to bribe this young man to get us some toilet paper. But I mean, you had people really stressing out for toilet paper. You know, then we have the school shutdowns and all of a sudden you have seven or eight million kids that are home and you have parents that are working that cannot work or have to figure something to do. And then you have our church shutting down. You know, we, we shut down for a couple of months. And, of course, you know, we have some people that want to shut down, some people don't want to shut down. And you have all these other things uh, on the professional level, basketball, uh, uh, baseball, those things have shut down. And, and you know, if, if, if a professional league is going to shut down and lose out on revenue, eh, it's probably a little bit serious. And, and so you have the, those things happening. Then then we have, you know, the social injustice that, that's going on. Now, uh, is there social injustice in Martin E. Barr's opinion? Yes, there is. Are things being done the way that they should? There's other things, but I won't get into all that. There is social injustice, but, you know, some of the protesting, some of that, all that stuff, man, all that stuff's way extra. And, And I think we can all agree, all agree to that. But Just as things are starting to look, you know, maybe a little bit better, all of a sudden in in the state of Washington, in comes these things called murder hornets. Like where do those things come from? Like they're that big and they murder you, I guess. That's where they get their name from. And, And here recently, this week, you know, I was watching the news. People are getting seeds from China. What does that mean? I don't know. Is it? Is it? Are they good seeds? Bad seeds? Nobody knows. But it just seems like there's all these things that just keep popping up. All these things that, that that just bring an uncertainty to our world. It brings an uncertainty to our lives, and it's hard to know what to believe because because there's times when you listen to something, you do your research, and 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 you you just feel like, man, this is this is some serious stuff. You know the the world is in trouble. My life is in trouble. Things are in trouble. What do I do? And then on the other side, if you listen to this other side, they're like, no, everything's good. Nothing's happening. There's nothing to worry about. And so really your emotions, my emotions, my feelings, my heart is being dictated one way or the other of what to believe, how to feel. And I'm sure some of you in here, probably most of us, there's been times when you thought this coronavirus is no big deal. And then other times you feel like, oh my gosh, I need to go home and be a hermit. If, if we're honest, I mean, there, there's just things that, that you can freak yourself out. If it's not coronavirus, then it's, it's something different. And you can end up feeling this hopelessness of, of what's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? You know, I cannot, well, I am a parent, so I guess I can't imagine it. But you know, those of you that have young children like Jesse over here or Sarah and Chris, do we send our kids to school? Do we not send them? Do we keep them home? Like, what is the right thing to do? and what's the wrong thing? Well, here's the truth of it all. Unless you have watched all the Alaskan shows and you decide, hey, I could live in Alaska, and you decide to go off into the wilderness, and you decide to build yourself a cabin, deep in the woods of Alaska with no outside contact, with no uh, uh, no technology, with nothing that can give you access to the media that, that we have available in this country with with just being a hermit out in Alaska, then you're gonna listen and you're gonna hear all these things and you're gonna have a battle that is going on every day over your heart. These companies, you know, I, I read where Facebook paid a five billion. They were docked. I, maybe I shouldn't say paid. They were docked a five billion dollar fine last year. Why were they docked a the five billion dollar fine? Because they take everything that this man looks at, everything that he speaks of, everything that, that's going on, and then they, they they pass it on to whatever company uh, that they need to. And, and then guess what? He's talking about talkies or something. He loves talkies, and so on. His his feed or somewhere in the ads, talkies is going to come up like the, the, they have a way of listening to us and a way of manipulating our heart, a way of manipulating our emotions. If you talk about you're, you're looking for a new car right now, you say it right here on the phone. I promise you today, at some point you're going to have ads on your phone about purchasing cars. That's just the way it is. They manipulate our heart and emotions. And and see, the thing is, God made us that way. God made us to feel sad. God made us to feel angry. God made us to feel happiness. God even made us to feel cold and numb at times. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, or if we don't look at the word of God and educate ourselves, then those emotional things that they prey on are broken. We will have broken thoughts and those broken thoughts will dictate our feelings, and then we're going we're gonna to end up making decisions in our life based on our emotion by something that came and, and, and manipulated our heart. And when we do that, it can lead us down some broken pathways. When we make emotional decisions, we can be led astray... Because we're relying basically on what we feel in our heart and what our feelings are telling us. In Jeremiah 17 and 9, Jeremiah 17 and 9, this is what it says. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible tells us over and over and over, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. But the Bible also tells us that your heart in itself can be deceitful over all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we have... Companies or outside sources that are telling our heart how to feel and then we make decisions based on those feelings and, and I know that that brother Mike and I'm sure brother mark has taught on this But when you have your thoughts, whatever you're thinking will cause you to feel how you feel once you go into the feeling stage your feelings are gonna provoke your intentions what you're gonna do, what you're gonna decide. Once your intentions are in place, your intentions go from just being intentions to being actions. Good or bad, they're gonna be actions. Then your actions form what kind of habits you have. And then your habits are gonna create a lifestyle for you. So if you're in here this morning, and many times you just feel hopeless, many times you feel like you're not where you want to be, then we, we need to do what brother Mike would call a a checkup from the neck up. What are we basing our decisions on? Are we basing our decisions on, on, on feelings? Because if we are, we can get ourselves in trouble. Now, I just spoke on some things that I guess are a little bit more on the global side or on the national side about things that come into your household, things that come into your heart, things that come into your head. But we can even break it down a little bit more And, and inside everybody's personal life in your world, there are things that make you feel hopeless. You know, there's times when if you've been married long enough, there's going to be times that inside your marriage, you're going to feel hopeless. It's part of being married. There are times as a father, you're going to question, am I doing the right thing as a father? There's going to be times as a child that maybe there were things that were out of your control that you grew up in that weren't fair, that you didn't choose, but you're still carrying some baggage. You're still carrying the weight of it. And every time that you go to that issue, it makes you feel hopeless. And it drains everything that is good from you. those emotional things can overtake our lives and they can put us in a situation where we don't want to be in. And so the Bible teaches us, the Bible teaches us that if we are going to align our lives with God's purpose for our life, if we are going to align our lives with what God has in store for us, then the very first thing we need to do is we need to align our mind just like Christ. Whatever his thoughts are need to be our thoughts. Whatever his feelings need to be our feelings. Whatever his emotions were need to be our emotions. Whatever things Jesus felt while he was on this earth, we need to line our mind up like him and this is proven in Philippians 2 and 5 and it says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus Christ I need my attitude to be your attitude I need my love to be your love Christ I need my thoughts to be your thoughts my thoughts need to be fixated on you and from there my thoughts can go out to the world because they're your thoughts because I'm in alignment with you. But if we don't do that, we're going to line them up with something. I just covered a whole bunch of somethings that will try to align your mind up with what is happening in this world or in your bubble of, of the world. And, and just to be, just to be a hundred percent honest, Jesus's mind at times I'm sure help felt a little hopeless. As a matter of fact, when he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane, he's there and he's praying and the Bible says that he's dripping blood, he's sweating blood because he's so stressed out and he gets up and he tells God, he says, "God, if you can let this cup pass from me, if you will please take this cup from me and let me not go through the pain, let me not go through the through the crucifixion, let me not go through those things. If you will take this cup from me do so but at the very end he says but your will be done so our Savior our Savior went through the same emotions our Savior went went through the same things And, and so in today's scripture in today's scripture, I want to I show you a character in the Bible that, that chose hope against hopelessness. In, in our scripture, if you'll turn there, this is, this is what it says. It says, as it is written, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver as the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21 And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification." Now, I know it's a lot to ask for you to you know, pay attention to all that and be able to break it down in your mind and, and, and all that, but we're fixing to break this scripture down, this passage of scripture. So here we have Abraham, who was 75 years old. This dude's 75. Do I have any 75-year-olds in here? higher than 75. Okay. Got a few. So let's just take a look at at his background and we're going to do it in today's terms. You know, Abraham grew up, he went and got, maybe went to city college, played a little ball. I don't know what all he did, but he goes off, you know, he works for 40 years. He gets to the age of 65 and at 65, what do we do? We retire, right? So Abraham's been retired in our world 10 years. He's been retired. He, he, he went down to a social security office. He's drawing the you know, social security. He, he went down there, got his Medicare card, got a part A, part B, you know, went ahead and bought a, 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 supplement, got part D for prescriptions. And so Abraham is all set up in, 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 I guess what we call the, the golden years of life. You know, this dude's been retired 10 years. I mean, the only thing he really has to do, if he has any annuities, a Roth IRA or whatever, he's got to take required minimum distributions every year. That's the only thing he really has to do. And so we have this 75-year-old and God comes to him and God talks to this 75-year-old and he tells him, hey, you're my man. I believe in you. Here's what I want you to do Believing in me, I want you to get up out of your retirement home. I want you to follow me out here into this wilderness. And I want you to know that I have a promised land for you. I'm going to give you some land. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to give it to you, I'm not going to tell you how long it's going to take. That's all the details you have. And Abraham literally had to make a decision just based on that. So Abraham decides he's going to do that. But then on top of that, God says, by the way, I know you're 75, Abraham, and I know that you've been drinking a lot of insurer in order to you know, be able to keep your bones str- strong and healthy and be able to keep a little bit of weight on, but I'm gonna need you to keep drinking that Insure, but go ahead and go down to the grocery store and stock up on some diapers. Go ahead and stock up on some Infamil before it goes up because you're at the Insure age, but I need you to go buy some Loves. I need you to go buy some Infamil because guess what? You're gonna have a kid. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't feel very hopeful in those things coming to pass. If I'm 75 and I hear a voice that only I can hear, and it tells me that it's, there's, they're going to promise me a land in the future, and, and, and Sarah and Abraham had to wait 25 years for the promised child who is named Isaac. Can you imagine in those 25 years? You go to the family reunions, or you go wherever you go, and people are telling you, hey, dude, where is your land? Where's your uh, acreage at, you know? And he's like, I don't know. God promised it to me, though. Hey, what about your child? I see you bought all the infant down at Costco, but I don't see a child. Does that stuff go bad? Can we take it? He's like, I don't know, but God promised it to me, though. Would you feel very hopeful? I wouldn't. Not one bit. And so, there's things in our lives, there's things in our world that will push us to that hopelessness that I'm sure many of us at times are not able to fend off. And so, I want to break this passage of scripture down to you, and I want to show you that Abraham was in a pretty hopeless situation But there's more. He was a believer. He was a believer. Do I have any believers in Jesus Christ in here this morning? Hopefully all of you are believers. In hopeless situations, when you are a believer, some things do not apply to you. But many of us, don't remind ourselves or we have never learned that those things don't apply to you and my life if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. So here's a few things that our scripture teaches us that we can have hope as believers no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what is happening. Like just like Abraham, Verse 18, let's go back to verse 18. And, and this is this is, this sets the tone, the very first part. It says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. This is basically saying that Abraham the believer, even though it didn't make sense to have hope, even though people possibly made fun of him, even though other people didn't believe that that was going to happen and maybe he was just a little screwy and, and just wasn't thinking correct, it says that if we are believers like abraham if we are god's people he gives us the ability to have hope when there is no hope because he gave abraham that ability amen, amen. verse 17 let's let's go back just just to verse 17 You know, as a believer, there's so many things that we believe because, you know, we had to make a a profession of Christ. We had to have that heart to heart with Christ and Abraham, the believer, and sometimes we forget this, is that the God that we serve is great and mighty. The God that we serve, we serve a God who, uh, verse 17, the second part, it says, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The God that you believe in, the God that you that you serve, the God uh, that, that you put your trust in, it says that He has the ability to bring people back from the dead, and He has the ability to speak about things that don't exist as if they were in existence. Now, so many times that goes above our head. I think that's one that you have to mull over several, maybe several days, but God has the ability to take whatever hopeless situation you're in and you don't see that there's a way out and you don't see that there's anything that can be done because it's not in existence. It says God is able to speak on things as if they existed, even though you may not believe they're possible. Amen. And by you, I mean me also. I'm at myself too. Let's go to verse 19 through 20. And it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. What does that mean, Brother Martin? It means that Abraham didn't look at the things that were in front of him. He didn't look at the impossibilities of his situation because frankly, Abraham was 100 years old and he had one foot in the grave and he had the other one on a slippery banana. That was his situation, but he didn't focus on that. The other situation was that Sarah's womb was as dry as the Sahara. If if her womb was dead, then he was almost dead. But it says that that's not what he focused on. He focused on God's promises. He focused on what the hope that God gave him that even though he had one foot in the grave and the other one on a slippery banana, even though Sarah's womb was closed and dry as the Sahara, even though those things were happening, he still held out hope. Amen? Amen? What things do we focus on on a daily basis? Got up this morning. I'm running late. Oh, there goes my day. I better call in sick. I mean, it's trivial, but we all do that. Got up this morning, I sprung my eyelash, oh no, I better stay home. Why has this always happened to me? Why are these things always, why, why, why? Don't focus on those things. And just like Abraham the believer, there's hope for you. Verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Man, this is such a good verse right here. And being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform... Abraham the believer, Abraham the believer knew that what God promises, God delivers. So many times in our daily lives, we forget that what God promises, God delivers. This is telling us, it's reminding us, it's it's saying, write this down on your heart so you can take it with you day in and day out. Whatever God promises you, he will deliver. God promises that I'll be with you. Even when everybody else forsakes you, I will be with you with you. God promises that I will protect you. Even when you think you're in an impossible situation, I will protect you. God promises that I will be your strength. When you get up during the day or you're you're going through a valley moment and you don't know how to put one foot in front of the other, God says, "Let me be your strength." God promises, I will provide for you. I think this is a big thing for men because we were made to be the providers. There's been times when I question how are we going to pay this bill? How how am I going to pay for college? How am I going to do this? And then I get inside my heart and and my emotions start running things and I start trying to do things in order to to be able to provide and before you know it, I'm in worse shape than I really was in beforehand and I I have to humble myself and I have to come before the throne of God and I have to say, God, you're my provider. My job is my job, but it doesn't provide for me. All blessings come down from you, from heaven to me. There was a, there was a time when uh, (laughs) I I had gotten a little $10,000 bonus, just a small bonus at work when I first started there you know $10,000. that's pretty easy to spend when you have two girls. There's always a dress to buy. And so I went spend my money but I didn't figure income tax on it. You know, they gave me the whole amount. And so you know, I went and did my taxes they're like, "Oh, you owe $3,000." I'm like, "Okay. This is uh April. Don't have to pay it till August 31st. I'm good." I'll do something. So in that in the in that moment you know i'm I'm trying for those months trying to do something get a sale do something in order to make that money and and, and to be able to pay the irs because the irs don't play you know that they want their money and they want it when it's due. so uh i travel a lot for my job and one of my clients wasn't really even my client at the time he he he's in Sulphur Springs. I don't know if you've ever driven to Sulphur Springs, but it's a pretty good little drive. And this guy basically just wanted to take money out of his account, just shut him down. And so my boss is calling me, hey, you going to Sulphur Springs? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Sulphur Springs. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but why are you sending me to Sulphur Springs? Because, uh, you know, this guy's just taking money out. Like, I'm not going to make any money. I need to be trying to find somebody that has a, you know, 401k rollover, you know, needs a huge life insurance policy. And so I'm grumbling the whole time. I'm, I'm driving to Sulphur Springs. And then, and then finally, I'm like halfway there, you know, listening to Christian music, whatever. Like, Lord, I don't know. I give up. I'm, I'm I, I don't, I, I just feel hopeless. And, you know, of course, like a good husband, I didn't tell my wife that we owed that. So I told her about two weeks before it was due. This is about two weeks, maybe a week before it's due. She's like, I know what we're going to do. I'm thinking, oh, she got $3,000 in her back pocket. That's awesome. And and so she says, we're going to pray. I'm like, that's all you got? (laughs) Anything else? Like, you know, maybe you got a little little, uh, drawer money or something? But no, that's, that was it. So we prayed, and we prayed. Of course, you know, as a, even a believer, you're like, oh, man, I still feel hopeless. So about halfway there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit grumbling. I'm going to just go see this, this client. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take care of him. God's got this. Lord, I humble myself, you know, all, all, all the nine yards there. And so I get to this guy's house, and his, his daughter's there. Him and his daughter, they don't have a good relationship. I mean, it's just a hate-hate relationship. So he's taking money out of her life insurance policy that she never paid for. But there's about seven, eight thousand dollars in it. He's like, "Hey, it's my money, and I want it now." I'm like, "Okay, let's let's do this." And so his daughter's there. She's kind of you know in trouble a lot. Uh, doesn't choose very good men. So she's sitting like. Like, I'm sitting here, he's sitting here, and she's sitting there. And I mean, she is giving him the death stare. And I'm in the middle of it. And it's like, I'm typing my stuff up. And she's like, I can't believe, of course, she drops some four-letter words and not love. Um, She drops some four-letter words. And she's like, you're taking my money. And I'm like, girl, are you crazy? You haven't paid a dime to this. And so, anyways, I'm, I'm trying to do my business. And then all of a sudden, you know how the Lord does. He, like, comes knocking. He's like, Martin, I need you to tell this girl about me. I'm like, uh, Lord, I'm just here doing insurance. I'm not going to do that. I'm just trying to, before the knives and guns come out, I'm a dip. So um, anyways, I keep on doing my thing, and it's like, Martin, tell this girl about me. And so I'm like, no, Lord, I'm, this is crazy. I mean, she's using some very big four-letter words. Her kids are coming out to her, and they're saying, Mama, 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 we love you, Mama. And she turns around to them, and she sends them down the hallway, and get the, away from me, you little, and I'm like, Woo, Lord Jesus, I got to get out of here. And so finally, the third time God comes knocking, he's like, Martin, tell this girl about me. So I just close my laptop like, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want. I turn to this girl and I'm like, if you died, where would you go? And she just looks at me shocking like I said, it's a serious question. I sell insurance, I sell annuities, I do, I do stock market stuff, that's what I do, but who I am is a child of God, Amen. and so the Lord's telling me to ask you this, and her dad's over there looking at me kind of crazy too, and so she's like, I don't know, I said, well, what are you basing it on? Well, I'm a good person, I said, no, you're not, you're a sorry person, nobody's going to talk to their daddy just like that, I had a little bit of Brother Mike <laughs> in me by that point, you know, uh, some of that Brother Mike talk. And so this girl's just taken back. And I'm like, that, you know, where would you go? And I mean, she just, you know, all of a sudden she'd bust down. We end up, you know, I'd lead her to Christ, the Bible, all that. And, you know, she's crying. Her mother's crying. Her dad's crying. And so, you know, she, you know how you have that whole shame thing of like, you know. And so she just spoke ugly to her daddy. And so she's, she wouldn't look at her dad. And I, I'm like, you know, I'm telling you, I had a little bit. I'm like look at your daddy. And so she look, finally looks at her daddy and then all the snot and bubbles, everything come out. And I'm like, look, that man right there, even though you are a sorry individual, even though you've made some horrible choices, even, through everything, that man has loved you and supported you and he does not deserve how you treat him. Of course, you know, everything just breaks open after that with mom and dad and everybody. And she's like, yeah, and she apologizes. They make up and all that stuff. So I told her, hey, I'm going to keep checking up on you. You know, I'm, I'm going to check up on you because I want to make sure you get in the church, you get, get to growing or whatever. And so she's like, okay. So I open up my computer. I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. That was awesome. I'm glad I listened to you. So I just happen to have a picture of a bull that we have. I, we have cattle, by the way, a bull that we had for sale. And so I, I'm like, hey, uh, I know you have a few cattle, but here's a bull that uh, the, the we're trying to sell. He's like, whoo, that is a good looking bull, Martin. How much do you want for him? Of course, you know. You always shoot high, at least I do. I'm like, $5,000. Now, granted, we had just tried selling this bull for about 2,500 earlier in the week and we didn't get any bites. So I'm like, $5,000. Now he's worth $5,000, my granny just doesn't, she just doesn't price him price right. And so he's like, man, it's hot during the summer. I have a closed-in trailer. He's like, I would write you a check right now for that bull if you, uh, but my trailer's too hot. I'm like, I'll deliver. And so he's like, woman, get me my checkbook. And so he goes and he writes a $5,000 check. And so I'm like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Now, hold on, hold on, this is granny's money, okay? Those are her cows. And so I come home and I'm like, hey, I just sold your 246 bull, I handed her the check and she's like, praise the Lord, I've been praying over this situation. And she gets all excited and she says, Martin, she's like, since you sold him, I'm going to give you $3,000 of that money. And I mean, I'm over there like Fred Sanford. I'm like, Oh Lord, this is the big one. And she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but I know she's going to believe it because she's a believer. And she's like, what's, what's happening? And so I tell her, and I mean, we just, have, we just have a great time in the Lord there. But that's the way that God works. In hopeless situations, he can be our hope because what he promises, he will deliver. He says, I will give you peace. He says, you belong to me when you become my child and there is nothing under the sun that can take you from my love when you are a believer. And so if you are a believer by Abraham, what I promise, I will deliver. Amen. Let's uh, go verse 23 and 25 and we'll close up. It says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So here's basically what, what that is saying. It is saying, I did not write this down just for Abraham. I did not just give him this example, I did not just impute this to Abraham, I imputed it to Chris Wallace, I imputed it to Rusty Reynolds, I imputed it to uh, Katie Galindo, I imputed it to everybody in here. This is not just food for Abraham, it's food for you, because if you have chosen to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are a believer in him, then every hope hopeless situation that you find yourself in, you can choose to have hope, not because of who you are, but because God loved you and I so much that he gave his son to die for you and to be raised for you and I. Amen? Amen? So here's our challenge for today. Any of you in here need some hope today? And you can lie or you can raise your hand up. Anybody need some hope today? If you're a non-believer in here today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this doesn't apply to you. You don't get this. You gotta be a believer. If you don't know that you know without a shadow of doubt that if you died, you'd go to heaven, I'm not gonna call you out down here. What I do with my kids all the time, come see me after service. Whatever questions you have, I'll answer them. Whatever, things you need to know. I will, I will do my best to answer them. And if you decide to trust Jesus, then that's good. If not, we'll keep praying for you. If you're a believer in here, he's saying, be strengthened by what we just learned today. Be strengthened by what we just heard today and follow Jesus. Check your heart. Check to make sure you're not making decisions based on your emotions, because if you are, we need to get our mind aligned with his mind and make decisions based on what we just read, not based on our emotion. And for this next week, what what I'm challenging you for this next week, challenging myself, for the next month, for the rest of the year, we have an election coming up, so things aren't gonna die down. Things are going to get crazier. We still have coronavirus. We're going back to school. How long? I don't know. How long it's going to plague us? I don't know. Do I send my kids to school? Do I not send my kids to school? Do I go to the grocery store? Don't go to the grocery store? All these things are going to plague us the rest of this year. I promise you so my challenge for this next week for this next month for the rest of this year and hopefully it can become a habit for myself and for you is when when the world is full of hopelessness speak hopelessness speak hopefulness into that world whether it's the whole world or whether it's just your world speak hopefulness over your world. When everybody sees the doom and gloom over the next four months, when everybody sees that the sky has fallen, when everybody's telling you how bad everything is, when all those things are happening, present the hope that only Jesus can provide. Amen? Amen. Present the hope that only Jesus can provide. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. We just thank you for this day. Lord, I just pray over the people that raise their hands saying they need a little bit of hope from you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you will just write down in our hearts what we've just learned. Our hearts and our emotions are a huge battlefield over which the enemy wants to have a sway over. Lord, I just pray that you would just impute to our hearts that we can stand on your word and we can stand on the scripture that we just read. And no matter what the situation may be, that we have the ability as believers to choose hope over hopelessness. Lord, I pray that you put somebody in our lives that we can present this hope to and that we can affect your kingdom. Lord, I pray that this message doesn't just stay in these four walls this morning. I pray that we just take it home and ponder it, take it home and apply it to our lives. Father, we just love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen.